Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. And now 2021. I'm your host, Brandon. I wanted to get this year started off with a sort of a recalibration, and I want to take this time to recenter and remind any frequent listeners, or even new listeners for that matter, what this podcast is all about. So I was going to make a whole new episode about it, but then I realized that I actually did an interview pretty early on with Chris Velasquez on his show, Hard Talks with Chris. Now, in this recording, we spoke pretty thoroughly about the mission of this podcast and also got into part of my own personal journey as a leatherman as well. So I thought, what better way to reestablish and refocus the original mission and platform for Leather Talk than to go back and have a listen? Now, if you haven't already, go find Chris's podcast on iTunes and Spotify, download a few episodes, see what you think. He's hilarious, he's fun, and I think you'll hear his own lively energy today in this rebroadcast. Now, for those of you who are just tuning into Leather Talk for the first time, I will start off by stating that this podcast is meant for audiences 18 years and older. Content will be explicit, discussions will include stories about the LGBTQ community, as well as discussions about sex and kink. The intent of this podcast is to one, talk about leather and kink, two, to serve as a tool to record and preserve leather history by hearing personal stories from individuals who are actively involved in the leather community, three, to serve as a bridge between the older and newer generations of leather people by educating and welcoming anyone new or interested in becoming a part of the leather community, and lastly, just to have fun. With that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more leather talk. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. Not that. <laughs> Just say it, Chris. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. So today I want to have a special friend on, someone that does podcasts like I do. Actually, he's his podcast has been going on for a lot longer, and I'm so thankful to him because this podcast wouldn't be as good and maybe uh, out already if it wasn't for him. And it's Brandon. Welcome, Brandon, Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> How are you, Brandon? I'm doing good. I woke up well, like an hour ago, sleeping in during COVID and <clears throat> just having my morning coffee. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's 12 in the afternoon, but, you know, who cares? <laughs> I mean, girl, girl. <laughs> um. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into anything. Yeah, sure. So I'm 28 years old. Um, I live in North Hollywood, California, and I am Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. Um, I just got that title early this February, and I've been in the kink and leather scene for the past about two and a half years, maybe, maybe three. I kind of stopped counting now, um, kind of took my time getting into it, but really loving how it helped me sort of discover myself and it sort of gives me like a, a way to discover myself even more and discover more about other people. And it, it, it's really kind of turned my life around in many different ways. But, you know, we can get into that later. Yeah. 
what's I don't think we've ever talked about this. What's your ethnicity? Oh, I'm Mexican. Okay. Mexican American. I mean, I was born here in the States and my, my parents were also born here in the States. My grandparents are the ones who came here illegally when they were children. So they didn't really have a say, but yeah. Yeah, no. So th- that's, and that, that's a, that's an interesting conversation because I consider myself Hispanic. Mm-hmm. My parents, um, my mom and my dad are both, well, my mom is Guatemalan and my dad's Salvadorian. My stepdad who I grew up with is Mexican. So it's tricky for me whenever people ask me because I come off as Mexican since I grew up with my my stepfather, which I grew up with him since like the age of two. Mm-hmm. I have like a lot of Mexican traits, but my mom and my dad are Salvadorian Central Americans, which I do have Central American, like, you know, um, Central American traits and little stuff. Like I love, you know, I, lo- I love Guatemalan food. I love Salvadorian food. Uh, if I'm hanging out with Salvadorians, the little accent like starts to like, it show. starts to come out yeah but I, I if you just meet me everybody off the bat goes oh you're mexican so it's like i live in that weird yeah you know i have some other guatemalan friends and when i first came up to him i was like oh yay like a fellow mexican and he's like i'm not mexican i'm guatemalan <laughs> why does everybody think i'm mexican yeah. and i'm like oh <laughs> you know where, where i grew up at literally everybody was mexican or white like you're either white or mexican and uh, I just grew up in like this tiny little town, Visalia. I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's a small town um, and there's not too much going on around there. So, you know, when you come to like someplace like L.A. from there, like your vision of the world begins to open up a little bit more. Yeah. And and, and L.A. is is weird because L.A. is highly Mexican, but in the same time, highly Central American. Mm-hmm. So if there's like places where like all you'll find is Mexicans. But then there's small, and it's a small place where you'll only find Central Americans because they're like a very like knit, close group of people who like to stay with each other. Mm-hmm. But overall, LA is a like a really Mexican deep, rich c- city, you know. And and yeah, we're, definitely we're we're next, you know, we're close to the border ish. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you do find a lot of like Central Americans. And I don't know. It's weird. They don't. We well. It's funny. You see, I can't even talk about it because we don't <laughs> like being mixed with right. Mexicans. But in the same time, I feel like I come off Mexican because of my uh, basically Mexican background. <laughs> so it's like right. I don't even know how to talk about it. <laughs> well, I think a good way to I you know how you're identifying as Hispanic is yeah is, you know good yeah oh yeah yeah so um I don't know if you so this is a a, a tricky question. Um, how did we meet? I remember. Oh God, you're having me, <laughs> you're trying to get me to remember how we met. Because <laughs> no, um, no, no. I met you uh-huh. and not officially, but I met you at your crowning. <laughs> I met you when you were, when you, you got crowned. When the, you make when it the... sound like it's like a royal crowning. <laughs> the England. <laughs> I just, I love to think about like the leather pageants, even though I know they're not like regular pageants, but in my head, it's just funny to fantasize them as regular pageants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're crowning. Um, so I met you, yeah, when you ran and obviously got your title. And I was there for that. I think that was the first time I remember. That's when you walked into my universe when you won your title. 
so after I ran, I started attending all the titles, right? Mm-hmm. And you stood out so much to me. Well, you and obviously Mr. Sister stood out so much because you guys were so authentically yourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when you're running or you're trying to get a title, I think you, you try to project a little bit more. Um, well, you, you, you kind of like, I, I kind of know what you're saying. Um, well, first of all, I don't remember meeting anybody at my competition. No offense. <laughs> I bet. Because no, 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 I bet. It was like a whole blur. Uh, but, you know, I think the first time that I remember encountering you was over actually the Leather Talk Zoom parties. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, he keeps showing up. He's super cool. He's super chill. And then I then I kind of heard your background story. I don't even remember how I heard it. And then that you wanted to come out with a podcast and all this stuff. And now here we are. So yeah, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that like we didn't really get to hang out in person. And because right after that competition, the Mr. Bullet Leather competition, we hit the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think in a lot of ways to COVID if we're going to take anything positive away from it, like it's really brought people together in different ways. Like it's really, it's made everything more intentional. You know, it's not like I, I'm now stumbling into the bar and meeting new people by chance. It's like, we're really having to be intentional about the way that we connect with each other. And because of that, I think we're getting stuff like us having this conversation right now over the podcast, or the zoom parties, or people are really making a conscious decision to get to know each other more. And one good thing from that is like, I've gotten to know people from like all over the United States now on a really deep level mm-hmm. that I probably wouldn't have had the chance to otherwise. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I know, trust me, because when I ran <laughs> for um, CSW, there's been people that I've met like at other contests. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I remember for you from that day. And I look at them like feeling so bad because I'm like, I barely knew what was going on <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was on stage. So I'm so sorry. And thank you. And people come up to me all the time and they're like, we liked you. And the, and, and the only way I remember a lot of the stuff, even of the stuff that I said on stage was because they're like, oh, you were so funny when you did this or when you said this. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you all the time, though. You have like this <laughs> kind of, uh, but yeah. Going going back to like your your statement a little bit earlier about like you know when you're running, how you said you know myself and Mister Sister seemed the most genuine to you. You know, it didn't start off that way because I mean I've always tried to be myself, especially in front of a crowd, but. I wasn't quite sure what to expect during the leather competition. And I remember going out with my friend Tomek for dinner and I was kind of sharing with him my speech. And I was saying like, you know, these are some of the questions that they might ask. Maybe you can ask them to me. And like just after the first question, he goes, and I love Tomek. If he ever listens to this episode, he'll laugh because he kind of has like this. I always I say he has like this gay voice. He He gets even more campy like around me and his other friends, but he's like... You know, it's like not really that authentic. Like you really just just be yourself. And I was like, okay. And he's like, that's what they're looking for. And so I reevaluated the way I was going to answer. I wanted to answer the questions in the way that I thought that the judges wanted to hear the answers. And then I realized at the end of the day, you know what? I'm not mm-hmm. doing this for them. I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm doing this for me. This is a huge step in my journey. And was never about like winning for me, but it was just about like, this is just the next step in my path to leather and into discovering myself. And if I win, great. If not, this will be a huge stepping stone for me no matter what. Yeah. Um, and, and I and I had the same, you know, the same situation. Um, when I was getting ready, someone kind of said like, you know, because I was like, you know, I, I kept asking people that I knew 
like, you know, give me some advice. You know, you guys were on it. You guys already went through this or, you know, you guys won or whatever. Someone told me like, you know, just try to like butch it up a little bit. <laughs> and, I, and at the moment yeah. I was like, what, like, what does that even mean? Like, I feel. Yeah, no, someone actually told me if you can make your voice deeper a little bit, that would, that would help you. And I thought, I'm not making my voice deeper. I spent my whole life mm-hmm. being insecure about my voice. I'm not about to start to go back in the closet now. They don't know my history and I'm sure they were trying to help, but I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I remember, yeah, like you said, like that was that. And I was like, no, like that's, that's not who I am. I'm someone that is in between, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's those moments where like I'll butch it up and I'm like any other man, quote unquote. But there's times where I like to femme it up and we're like, I will, you know, I will throw sis and I call myself girl all the time. And, and even talking to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, girl this, girl this. But, you know, so I, I live in this in between. And if they want to see who the real me is and who the, who the person that's going to carry this title for the next year, that's me. So I'm not going to act like this. And I remember even after, you know, when I lost, someone was like, oh, you know, you should have made less gay jokes or like less femi jokes and less this. And so that's why it like, it was such a powerful thing to see you and Mr. Sister just be so authentically your guys itself mm-hmm. and not even trying to like, yeah, you know, deepen your voice or do anything to change who you are. And you guys still won. For me, that was so powerful because that that just sets a precedence, you know? Yeah, it sets a precedent. And also, I think that confidence comes with from within. And if you're going to like try to mm-hmm. pretend to be somebody else and that's not you, then your confidence is not going to shine through. And I think that's probably what you saw was that I was, I'm comfortable in my own skin, you know, and I can't say that that was me for my entire life. It's maybe only been since I was like 19 or 20 years old that I began to become more comfortable in my own skin. And like, you know, if, if the judges want to see confidence, they're going to get confidence, but it might not be in the way that they mm-hmm. wanted or they thought, or, you know, they wanted to see it. And that's okay too. Like at the, at the end of the day, I said, you know, like I said before, wasn't about winning for me. This was just the next step. No, and even that, the idea that we get confidence, you know, I think confidence is something mm-hmm. that stays and goes. And it comes by stages. Like I, before all this, <laughs> I had high confidence. I was feeling the best. I was, even though, you know, I lost my title, but I, I was so embraced by the community and I made so many new friendships and all these new connections. And I was feeling good about myself. I was in a good place mentally and physically and everything, right? But, mm-hmm. and, and you and me have talked about this towards the, like, what, the third week or fourth week of quarantine, I had, like, this giant just fall of my confidence. Like, I was not being social. I was feeling lonely. My body is not where I want it to be. And it's one of those things where I feel like we're always trying to work on our confidence Mm -hmm. and it comes and it goes, you know? So at that moment you had such a strong confidence and and yeah, like I said, it, it really grabbed my attention. So, but tell us, tell us a little bit more about your title. Yeah. So Mr. Bullet Leather is a bar title. And the reason why I ran for Mr. Bullet, well, actually, let me go back and tell you like a little bit of a story. (laughs) So when I first came to the LA 
greater LA area, I came to to Northridge because that's where I went to school, CC Northridge. And I found this cute ass gay bar. I love it so much. I know so many people don't like it, but I love it. It's called Sea Friends. <laughs> My favorite bar. Yeah, it's not a leather bar by any means, but like I, it's an it's another gay cheers. Like you walk in there, everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, you know, going in there and I went, <laughs> it was like the first time I had topped anybody. And I'm like, I was, I topped someone like right after I walked in there and the bartender knew me and he goes, what? I never expected <laughs> that from you. <laughs> like, like we just I had that kind of banter. And that's where I really began to like find gay, gay friends and, and make gay friends and meet people in the community. And that's, I I lived just down the street from the bar. So it was really my watering hole for like maybe three, four, five years even until I moved to North Hollywood and the bullet sort of became my home after that. So anyways, all of that's to say, you know, at the bullet, uh, you know, the first time I walked in there, I was like, man, this is kind of like raunchy and dirty. And then I was like, I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember the first time I went there, I asked the bartender, I don't even remember who it was, but I was like, is there like a shirtless discount? Like, I'm such an exhibitionist. I was like, if I can get some eyes on me, um, like, I don't need any other attention than that. And he's like, sure, but you have to keep your shirt off the whole time. I'm like, great. Love this bar already, you know. Um, And I kept coming back. And I honestly didn't know there was leather tied to it at all until I started getting more interested in the in the leather scene. And then one day I, I remember being in the back patio and I looked up and I saw a leather pride flag and I thought, oh, fuck, is this a leather space too? I, then I started noticing things like the title holders, pictures on the wall and and then I realized, you know, the the guy in the vest, Andrew, uh, AJ, Mr. Uh, Bullet Leather 2017, when he would come in with his vest, I, I started noticing, you know, that it said he was Mr. Bullet Leather. And I'm like, oh, wow, like how serendipitous that I walked into a space and really found my home here. And as I'm starting to become more part of leather, or more, more exploring leather, this is already set up for me. You know, it's already here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, long story short, I really kind of went out for my first time to the Eagle because I, you know, this is before I realized that the bullet had any leather tied to it. And that's where I went out for my first time and experienced like a real like leather bar situation over there. And I just remember I stumbled in because I was drunk and I was like, I shouldn't be driving home. Maybe I should stop at the closest gay bar. Let's stop at this random bar called the Eagle. I should not drive home, but let me stop at another bar. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'll have some soda or something. <laughs> Hang mm-hmm. out for mm-hmm. And I just did it, you know. So anyway, so I get in there. <laughs> there was, uh, I've never seen another night like this ever before or ever again, really. And I think part of the reason was it was like my first time coming into a leather bar like this, but everybody was in like full on leather, like head to toe. There were guys in their full on uniforms with Sam Browns, there were guys in jock straps with a harness. I remember seeing men, three-way men kissing. It was just so hot to me. And just something stirred in me like this something that I felt was always there, but finally found a place to come out at. And I'm sitting there in my like, you know, preppy boy button up shirt coming from West Hollywood, you know, cause that's where I was earlier. That's all I knew. And, and I was like, 
I need to get on this. This is crazy. And later on that weekend, I had planned to go to San Francisco anyways. And I already knew Mr. S kind of existed. That's where I got my first harness. And when I put it on, I was just floored. I was like, wow, this is, this just feels right. Yeah. And that's what kind of started my journey. It's funny. We, I think we all have that moment with our first leather mm-hmm. where you kind of put it on and you're like, things are not going to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this just awoke something inside of me. So, so, so then was Mr. Bullet your first title you ran for? Yeah. Um, you know, one day I came, uh, they, I really, I really enjoy the Eagle, but like I said, the, the bullet has always been kind of like my home. So, and one day I went out to the Eagle for a, a leather event. Cause I think it was, they were having like, um, meat rack night or something. And any chance I can get in full leather, I'll, I will. So I got all, you know, decked out in my gear and stuff, went out to the Eagle and I thought, you know, I'll stop by um the bullet before i come home and i've been thinking about running for like the last year and i hadn't really said anything to anybody until that weekend i thought god i one of these days i really want to run and i remember telling my friend angela this and she goes well isn't the competition coming up like next month why don't you run now like why would you wait and i'm like i don't know like I, I, I'll just, maybe I should just wait. I don't know. And she's like, why, why, why are you waiting? You've already been thinking about this for like a year. You're saying I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Well, whatever. And I kind of decided against it that I would just wait. And anyways, later that night, when I got to the bullet, I was in my full leather and the bar owner, Michael Lara saw me and he like locked eyes with me. And if anybody knows Michael, I think he's like a man of very few words mm-hmm. and some people, a lot of people misread him. Um, but he just has like this very stern look on him, but he's a total sweetheart. He locked eyes with me and said, you should run for Mr. Bullet leather. And I was like, what you like, you even know I exist. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, you look great in your leather. Like you should run blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, when is it? And he's like, next month. And I'm like, okay, I'll consider it. And I got home that night and I'm like, you know what? This is destiny. Like, yeah. that's where I kind of came to the decision where if I win, I win, great. If I don't, if I don't run, I will regret it for the rest of my life because this is just the universe telling me you just gotta go for it. That is so funny because the same kind of thing happened to me. I was at fault line and the winner was there from the year before. And he was just saying, you know, um, I'm here. If anybody w- would like to, you know, sign up for Mr. C- uh, for Mr. CSW and kind of told us what it was about. Mm-hmm. And he was walking around and, and he looked at me and he was like, mind you, I, I was there for my friend's drag competition. Mm-hmm. I was hanging out around a whole bunch of drag queens. But I was in a leather harness. And all black was my leather harness. Wait, this is at Fault Line? This is at Fault Line. Okay. And he like walked past me. You know, I was there with a guy I was talking to at the time. And I was like, I should run for like a leather title. Like that would be like, that would be interesting. Right. And mind you, I was a little drunk. So, you know, she, she felt like she was on the top of the world, (laughs) (laughs) especially having my friend on stage running for a title. I was like, well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) me too. And so, you know, he passed by like twice. And then at the third time he looked at me and he's like, you look good in your leather. Kind of the same thing. 
and I signed up. I was drunk. I signed up and everything. This was maybe like six months before the competition. So then he hit me up, I think two, two or three, yeah, two months before the competition. And we talked about it again. But by this time, I was already thinking about it for the last three months. Yeah. And I, I kept psyching myself out and I kept going like, no, like, you know, all of these things and all the, you know, you always come up with a thousand reasons why you shouldn't do it. Right. Um, but in the same time, I looked into CSW and I, you know, I, LA Pride did so much for me and it was where I was able to find myself and even find my identity within the leather community because of LA Pride mm-hmm. that it like, I had so many connections to it that it, it kind of was like a shoe in. Do you get me? Right. Maybe I think a month before he goes, you know, you need to turn in the application. <laughs> like you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I just was like, you know what? Let's do this. And that same day when he told me that, I bumped into Mr. SoCal, which him and me are really good friends. And he was like, I'm going to be a den daddy for CSW. So let me know if you are going to run because we talked about it. He was like, I really, really think you should do it. And it was one of those things I got home and just filled everything out, did everything I had to do and sent it. Because it just felt like the universe was talking to me. Now, let me let me tell because like you said, our, our stories are kind of similar. And I know obviously you probably wanted to to win, but were you prepared to not win? No. As you were going into it? No. Hmm. Um I think, and this is the thing. For me, it was such a community thing. I had Susia, he was helping me. Mm-hmm. He was Mr. Faultline. I had Eric, Mr. SoCal. You know, being my den daddy too. Rich LA, Miguel was helping me. He he actually gave me my full formal. And I was getting mentored by so many of them. Does that make sense? And they're like winners. And, and they're people that I felt like I was getting so much good in. And mind you, I have delusion. <laughs> I have, I have, so you just felt like you were, you were just really set up well, really, for this competition. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. The only person that could get in my way was myself. That's how I felt. And I honestly was trying 100% my best. And mind you, I didn't know my competition. <laughs> if I If I would have known Brandon, who I was running against, I would have known. <laughs> I would have known. <laughs> well, here's the other thing too. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of us that have done sports or whatever, I, I've done a lot of competitions not related to leather. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm a violinist. I grew up doing violin competitions and music competitions and scholarship competitions. I've been performing my whole life. And I always know, you know, my teacher, one of my best teachers always told me, uh, you know, I was like playing violin one once for him preparing for a competition and I played it technically well. I played everything spot on in our lesson. And he told me halfway through, you know, the, the A section and, and this measure, blah, 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 when it comes back. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I could tell you were not very secure in yourself at that section. Why not? And I thought, how did you know that? That's, that's one of the hardest sections for me, but I know I played it well. And he's like, I could tell in your confidence. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that comes through in a performance that mm-hmm. you can't go back. You can't go back. Like once you perform, there's no going back. So mm-hmm. why not just be confident in whatever you put out there, even if there's a mistake? And um, where am I going with this? Um, it was a con- uh, Yeah, I, I think I know where you're going. So yes, I ran as if I was going to win because uh, yeah, I yeah. felt 
like that was the only way to do it. And as, as someone that has done sports and um, I was in swimming and, and I did other stuff like that and a performer, mm-hmm. I always perform as I'm going to win. So how did you feel when you didn't win? Um, I obviously going through the motion that night. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a point where I knew top two. <laughs> <laughs> I knew top two. It was me and, you know. Um, so there was a moment where I knew it was up in the air. But I knew that for sure, knowing his answers, knowing how well he was doing, I knew that maybe if by like some way the points would be on my side, <laughs> like I would get some extra points somewhere, I would win. But I, I, I you know, you, you get that feeling where, you know, you're like, he's killing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And. And you got runner up, right? I got really, I got runner so up. So, how did you feel when they announced the runner up? Was it like defeat or was it accomplishment? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> she's such a blonde. Um, I was lost for a second because <laughs> <laughs> I really, I don't, I don't remember if I heard. I don't, I think I was so caught in the moment, and I mean, you probably had the same thing. Everything just stops. Yeah, and everything just becomes noise at that point especially when they're like about to announce something, it just all becomes noise. Oh, your heart literally drops and everything freezes for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And I was straight looking at one of my friends and, and at Eric and their faces told me what happened before I was even able to register. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So my friend's natural reaction was to look at me and say, smile. and that's all I saw and then I saw Eric's face and Eric looked into my soul and I felt like was like you tried your best (laughs) good job and then looked at obviously looked at the winner but that's how I realized even I think if you watch the video you kind of see like it took me like a second to even react I mean I smiled and I and I was happy obviously it was like happy right but that was like the first emotions it took me maybe like a good, I want to say like 15 seconds after for it to all like just set in. And then I was honestly hurt. <laughs> like I, I felt like my world fell on top of me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously you had the opposite. <laughs> well, you know, I have a question for you, but I'll tell you how my experience went first since we're kind of on this subject, but we got up there and uh, I don't know if you remember the other competitors, but I just thought, like, there's absolutely no way I have any points, like any, like anything in this competition. Like at after the interviews, I was like, all right, hard part's over. Let's let's just have fun. Like, no way I'm gonna win. And um, you know, I thought maybe there's a chance because I, I did I did give it my best. I did give it my all. I did. I was as authentic as I could be. And I thought, well, that's all that I can do. All I can do is all that I can do. So let's not have any expectations because I just don't want to be disappointed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I made some great friends through the process. Mm-hmm. The other contestants were incredible. I don't know if they felt the same way, but I felt like we were competing together for something that was going to represent the community. I didn't really feel like we were like, in a boxing match or anything like we were having mm-hmm. a good time back there and i remember they announced the runner up and i was confused i was like 
runner up. What? <laughs> like he he was a he was the guy in my mind that would have won. And I'm like, okay, okay, well, if it's not him, who the hell could it be? Oh my god! And I start like <laughs> thinking about the answers between the other two contestants. And I'm like, hmm, like it's a whole mystery. Like I have no idea. God, it's so close. And then they're like, contestant number three, Brandon. And I was like, what? What the fuck? Did, are they asking me to move my car or something? <laughs> like, and I was like, no fucking way. Are you kidding me? I saw my friend's face and they just screamed. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening right now. I really mm -hmm. thought it was like a dream. But time feels so slow. Yeah. Like it just, you, I, I remember having a conversation with myself. That's how slow time just feels at that moment. I, I think it, no matter if you win or if you get a runner up, it just, everything takes like a moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Like you said, having a conversation with yourself, all of that conversation in my head was like, who the fuck won? Let me go back into my mind with these questions that happened within a matter of like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it felt like a minute. I was like debating in my head, like, what the heck? But, you know, now here we are. And my question to you was going to be, one, did you have a mission or a platform in mind as you were competing for what you would do if you got the title? And two, do you think that you can still do those things even though you don't have the title currently? So yes and yes. So my mission is, and my mission regardless, it has always been, is, and it's basically the mission of this podcast, mm -hmm. is just to close that bridge between, because, you know, we are part of the leather community, which is part of the LGBT community. But to me, sometimes it feels like the leather community and, you know, the West Hollywood community or, you know, whatever name we put to that community, they feel so far from each other. And like, there's a big bridge between them. Right. Do you get me? And why I love the CSW was because I feel like they are kind of that bridge. They bring, you know, LA pride, but they have leather within it, you know, mm. and there's a kink area. And then there's, and there's that education side of it. And I feel like, within both sides because if you go to like the WeHo queens and you know you talk about the leather people they always be like oh well the leather people are like this or they're this way this way you know yeah and i got the same thing when i started hanging out with the leather people they're like oh you're from west hollywood oh the west hollywood people are this type of people like they act this type of way we don't like them because of these which is funny thing you hear both sides say the same thing about each other Someone that, that has connection to both sides, connect mm -hmm. them and show people that it's that we're not different. <laughs> right. The right. Hollywood people are the same as the leather people. The same things that we complain about in the leather community are the same things that people in, in the West Hollywood crowd community complain about. So, yeah, no, I definitely think there's something to be said about that. I'm totally guilty of it, too. You'll hear in my podcast, you know, I'll, I'll always make it's just an easy comparison, really, yeah. to, to say the Abbey or the WeHo bars versus the leather bars. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're all people and mm -hmm. we're all part of this spectrum. And somebody, I think it was uh, Teddy, he's a drag queen over at the Bullet, and he was kind of talking about, and he'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, 
wrong. Sorry, Teddy, if I get this wrong. But I remember sitting at the bar and he was kind of saying that the whole gay community is really like a diamond. And like every side and cut and color to that diamond is a side of the leather community. And that's what makes it so beautiful. We have drag queens, we have the WeHo people, we have leather people, and that we're all part of the same gem. And to stop trying to separate everybody and, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, to me, and I think I, I've said this, it's we're all outsiders at the end of the day. We're all the outsiders. We're all the people. It doesn't matter if you're in leather or you're in full faggotry to its highest. Um, straight people. <laughs> full faggotry to its highest. I love that. <laughs> I need a t shirt that says that from you, Chris. <laughs> um, Straight people will always look at us like we don't belong. So why fight within each other when we could help each other push against that homophobia, push against the ignorance of it all, right? And as human beings, we're not born knowing everything. So not only because I'm gay and uh, a West Hollywood queen, I'm going to know everything that has to do with leather, right? And not only because right. you're in leather, you're going to know everything that has to do with, uh, I don't know, a WeHo queen, right? So what we need to do is educate each other. And if we can't educate each other within the gay community, how do we expect to get, you know, get... get to educate people outside of the LGBT Yeah, or, or get any respect yeah. from outside. Yeah, that's really deep that you said that. If we can't communicate with each other and educate each other, how are we going to communicate and educate people outside of our community? Mm-hmm. That's really awesome, Chris. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way before. So, you know, that's, that, that is on the basis that I ran on. <laughs> and I, I probably now I'm saying it more eloquently than I said it that day because of, you know, it takes a while to find your voice. And you know what? Joe, um, Joe is the one that won. Joe had his voice already, and he's had years running for CSW and being part of the leather community. And he honestly was the right person at the right time. And thanks to me attending all these title contests and meeting all these people, I'm able to put my voice and find my voice more. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, having my own podcast, I'm even finding my voice even more. Well, a little something about about Joe. Um, well, one, I've always kind of had like a little secret crush on Joe. He's um, such a cutie. He is, and I remember seeing him at the Eagle with his title because he's. When was the competition? It was like earlier in, in twenty nineteen, right? It is. It, it's um, it's in September. I want to say. Okay, so he was walking around for a few months, you know, in his tie. And when I decided, oh, I'm going to run. This is now like what six months or something later, five six months, and. And so he was the first person that I reached out to and asked for his advice. I'm like, what are you, what's been your experience with running for competitions? And like, one of the things that he told me was this, like, look, don't win. it's not a big deal. He's like, I ran, I think it was five times before he mm-hmm. won a title. And I was like, very humbled by that advice. It was like, wow, you wanted this so much. You ran five times. That's five years of preparing for a competition. So much respect right there. And so, Chris, this may have been your first, I don't know if it's your first or second time running, but I mean- It's my first. Okay, so you have four more to go. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. We're I not mean, doing until, this. until you can really complain. You know what I mean? Like- <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah, I get it. No, um, and trust me, it- I understand that. I'm not even going to lie. After I lost, I was like, never again. 
I'm not even going back to the leather community. You guys don't deserve me. Deserve <laughs> yeah, I had a little temper tantrum in the corner yeah, oh, there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, again, Eric dragged me out of that and was like, people are asking for you. People were hitting me up. I mean, like it happens after you run for a title, you get all these friends requests on Facebook and on Instagram and people just all of a sudden, you know, know who you are. And I kept getting messages of like, where are you? You did so good. And that was the feedback I got in, you know, you did so good. You know, if it wasn't for Joe, who was so experienced, you would have, you know, you were a shoe in. So it was one of those things where like, and back to that confidence, building that confidence up, it took me a couple times and I, and Eric dragged me to like, I think my first competition back was the pup competition. Mm-hmm. And he dragged me out there because he was just like, no, you have to. It was Mr. Uh, no, not Mr. It's LA Pup, just LA Pup. And he dragged me back there. And he was like, no, he's like, we're going to get you ready for next year. And the first step is you going to every single competition and learning from all these people running. Absolutely. And and to not let it stop you in your mission, because you're doing it now. I mean, mm-hmm. and taking those steps forward, it gives you even more ammunition, I guess you could say, in your next competition to say like, look, I didn't win last year, but I didn't let that stop me in my mission with the community. This is what I've been doing. And I'm going to further implement this no matter what. And like, to show that you're not going to stop no matter what. I personally don't think that anyone really needs a title to do thing, the mm-hmm. things that they want to do. It helps. It definitely helps. I would have been doing this podcast on my, you know, my my podcast anyways. I was already recording episodes before this whole, before I even was thinking about the competition. I was already putting down topics who I wanted to interview because this was just something that I wanted to do. And obviously the podcast took off a lot quicker than I thought it would. And that's partly because of the fact that I do hold a title now. So yes, it does help, but like it's, it shouldn't stop you, you know? Yeah. Well, great thing that you brought up your podcast. Look at you and your good segues. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your podcast and how did it start? Yeah. So this kind of started because I am such a slut. No, I'm just kidding. No, no it, you're not kidding. You are a slut. <laughs> you know, I you're am. Kidding. I love it. No, I, I, I'm a self-proclaimed daddy's boy. Like, I love daddies. Like, it's one of my, I don't want to say guilty pleasures. And I don't feel guilty about it. But it's <laughs> it's just, I love older men. And they turn me on so much. This, the, the I don't know. There's something about daddies. And uh, so those are the guys who I tend to gravitate to at the leather bars, you know, and there's mm-hmm. usually plenty to talk to, you know, at the Eagle and the Bullet and stuff. And, you know, not only do I get a chance to flirt, but I get a chance to get to know them. And a lot of times there's like so much history in a lot of these men's lives that I just, I'm so fascinated by. And I I remember being at Sea Friends, for example, talking to someone and he was saying, oh yeah, like I've been in... You see, but Sea Friends is not the place you go for daddies. It's more the place you go for grandpas. <laughs> okay, so some grandpas too. Yeah, yeah. I would be lying if I didn't make out with a grandpa or two. Uh, but, you know, I, I hear the stories of, oh, yeah, I was there during the, the AIDS epidemic. I lost my partner to AIDS. I lost all my friends to AIDS. I remember when we did the first march here in in LA or whatever it is. There's just so many personal stories coming from these men that I was like, wow, 
that's so incredible. I wish everybody could hear this. And, you know, sometimes you'll you'll see a guy that's just kind of off by himself and you see them there every Friday night at the same time. Nobody talks to him. And you go up and talk to him. You find out, wow, this guy's an incredible human being. He's has so much history, has so much knowledge, so much experience. And you just see people open up when you ask them about themselves. And I just love that so much that I thought, wow, like one of these days I want to record that. And then, you know, right before uh, the competition or or not, I don't know if it was right before, maybe it was like right after, I went over to um, to see the the leather archives at USC and I'm walking by and I'm seeing, I feel like I was probably a gay man in, in like the seventies in a past life or something. Cause I just feel like this sense of nostalgia when I see pictures and articles, I felt like I was there and I know that I wasn't, you know, maybe I was in spirit somehow, but I, I just feel like I was there and it's something that I don't want to be lost. And I, I look at these pictures and I'm like, wow, wouldn't it have been incredible to hear this person's personal story and not just see a picture of them? Mm-hmm. And so that was my goal from the beginning, really was to just kind of record and and be a part of history in this way. I want people in a hundred years from now to look back and be like, wow, I remember meeting Mr. CSW 2020 or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's like 86 now. And this is his story back when he was 22 or however old he is. I don't even know. But you know what I'm saying? Like marking, yeah. marking or, history. Or, or, or one day, what, 50 or 60 years from now, yeah. they're like, oh, he had an interview with um, the runner up for Mr. CSW and he's still trying to get the position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's still been the runner up for 50 years. I'll get up there to Cade. No, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And so, and then my second goal was, you know, the other thing, unfortunately, that I experienced talking to older men is sometimes, well, this is the way it used to be and that's the way it needs to be. And I just get so tired when I see you kids out there doing this and that, and you shouldn't be at the bar acting like this and talking like that. And that's not how we used to do it. And, you know, I, I never, I'm not a person to get into conflict, but I thought, you know, it's not my fault that I was born in 1992. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose that date. It's not, Mm -hmm. these are my experiences. So one, like, let's learn from each other's history and knowledge. But two, like, if if we can interview people from both generations, you know, then everyone has a chance to share their voice. And I'm not going to sit there and tell people what they should or should not think. I just want to share the vision. And you can make your own deductions. You can make your, you know, make your own conclusions after that if you want. But I'm concerned with sharing the story straight from the horse's mouth, as I like to say. And that's really the reason why I started the podcast. Yeah. And I, I think there's an, there's an importance um, of oral history. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the blowjobs you've given, <laughs> you've given, because that would... I don't document those usually. Yeah, well, that would be a too much, too big of a book for any kid. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, you know, there's an importance to that, um, mm-hmm. that we lose. Um, and I, I don't know if you watched Pose, but mm-hmm. um, they 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 talk about that. You know, there was a moment where where because of AIDS and stuff like that, we didn't have elders, yeah, and we didn't have you know all that knowledge, and we it seemed it seemed like every couple of years we had to relearn all these things, and I think. This is the first generation that has 
elders, that we have those, even though we laugh about it, we, we do have those grandpas, you know, yeah. that can tell us all these stories about how it, how it was and their survival. And it's so important for us to make sure and for us to not forget, because um, it happens, you know, sometimes, and, and it, sometimes it is true, um, people take for, for granted the privileges we do have now. Like, yeah. I am, you know, as flamboyant as I am, I could walk around with a pink shirt that has a drag queen with short shorts, you know, um, just screaming that I'm gay and mm-hmm. I won't get killed, right? Right. Um, or the or the or the likeliness. I'm not gonna say we don't get killed because there is a lot there of that are, still happening. Right. But the likeliness of that happening has gone down. Just. Yeah, and we owe all of that to the people you know that started the protests and and the the marches and and all of the people in our history that made it possible for just for us to go out to. And here's what here's what really gets me is when I've seen before. I won't mention a bar name, but I, I've seen before where a young, cute boy comes into the bar. Call them out. Call them out. <laughs> a, a young, cute boy will walk into the bar and order a drink. And there's a daddy right there, an older man, and says, hey, how's it going? And they get the hand, like this attitude, like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like thinking, you little fucker. Mm-hmm. You're... 22-year-old ass has the the privilege of coming into this bar mm-hmm. without feeling threatened. And how do you know that this person sitting right next to you just saying hello, not even trying to hit on you, get over yourself, he wasn't that into you, he was just saying hello, how do you know that he was not a part of that movement that gave you the freedom to come to this bar tonight? Yeah, and I mean, I think any... Any person that is young, you know, goes through that little stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so much harder for gay people because it, there's not a really. It comes down to self awareness, yeah. and and I, you know, I'm sure I've given attitude, you know, unintentionally to people in the past, and you know, if you're listening and I gave you attitude, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Sometimes you're, I just <laughs> have that forgiven. those days. You're but, forgiven. <laughs> but at the end I of the day, you. like. Let's, if you're not into somebody, mm-hmm. first of all, you can just say, oh, hello. It's a friendly hello. Not everyone's mm-hmm. trying to have sex with you all the time, honey. And mm-hmm. second of all, like get to know people. Yeah. And these are going to be relationships that can be cultivated for the rest of your life. You might look back, had you said hi to that person, find out that he has so much knowledge and, and so much to offer you as a young person coming into the gay community for the first time, that in 50 years, he might be somebody that you looked up to and changed your life. And all you had to do was say hello. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, luckily we do have people like you and um, other people who are making sure that these, that these stories are being encapsulated Mm -hmm. and we have them for years to come. Um, You do, you do talk to some amazing people and and a diverse crowd of people you talk to and your podcast is it, it, it i love it because to me the way i learn is from hearing other people's experiences and you hear those experiences firsthand right and you learn from them and you are someone that is so great at 
taking those th- those conversations out of people and so natural at it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> so, you know, what what are some of the topics you have covered in your podcast? Well, I, I kind of, um, I like to say that my, my, my podcast, and this kind of differs a little bit from yours, I, I guess, because yours is legitimately called like hard talks. We, I, I consider my podcast to be a non-political podcast. And the only reason for that, and this is not to say that we don't talk about politics. What I say is, you know, we really want to hear your personal story. And if a political issue comes up because it's relative to your personal story, let's bring it up. But at the end of the day, this isn't a news network. We're not here to talk about the latest and hottest, newest controversial issue for the sake of talking about it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, all these issues, they evolve so much. By the time we talk about one controversial issue and the episode comes out, um, like I don't want to ruin the magic for anyone, but I I record months in advance. So by the time we're, you know, if we're talking about the president said this or that, well, six months later, when your episode comes out, he, you know, may or may not be in office. Who knows? Um, Fingers (laughs) crossed. But you know what I'm saying? Like, so this needs to be, for me, I want your your voice to be timeless. Mm -hmm. And what's timeless is your personal experiences. That's what I want to hear. That's what my focus is. And not to say that we won't get into politics every once in a while, but it's not the priority. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing too, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier that I have a diverse you know, group of people that came in and were guests on the show. And that was really by intention. I think for the longest time, the leather community has been associated with, you know, cis white men, which is totally fine. Like, this is where we come from. And, and you know, there are incredible cis white men in the community. But for the longest time, I think people, women, for example, uh, people of color, uh, trans people, all of these voices, those are important to be heard as well. And as part of bridging together those generations and, and saying that I want to share the experiences with, you know, the older generations of what, how we are coming into leather today and how we are facing issues in certain topics, like the way trans people are coming into the community and the way that people of color are coming into community, into the community, sorry, um, is way different than the way they were coming into the community back then. And I want to shed light on that. So if you look at my guest list and my episodes, um, if you know who they are, you'll see that it's like literally 60% are people of a diverse background of some kind, either a person of color, uh, Asian American, Mexican American, uh, Latino, women, trans, and maybe 40% or less are cis white men. And I, I did that specifically because I want to hear the stories that people haven't had the chance to hear yet. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, you and me have talked about this, that our podcasts are so different in the way we, we talk about the subjects and the subjects we cover. But what but we both are trying to do is have those stories of how people grew. Obviously, I take a more head-on approach and we talked about this i feel like <laughs> your daytime tv i'm for sure late night tv yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you know um but we we both do the same thing where we where we want to just 
have story we want to have people's stories yeah we want be... voices heard and how how we get there might be different but i think both are important for sure yes they are um so so you you you, you know you, you talked about it a little bit but let's talk about how you see women and trans women and i mean trans people regardless how do you see them being welcomed if they're welcomed or they're not welcomed within our community so here i think we we just talked about how you don't i'm a little bit more forward with the conversations and this is the, this here is the we part go. and this is the part of the and this is part the part of the show where i will get a little bit more serious about the conversation but as one of our you know one of our leaders i think your voice does have a lot of power does that make sense yeah, yeah. um thank you and and that is, I know that is something that you specifically talk a, a lot about, inclusion of all these beautiful others <laughs> now. Like you said, for the longest, um, leather was a more white and, and, it, and it was perceived as more white. And we are making a lot of strides to, to change that. Right. So I just kind of want to see how you see, how you see things going. Do you see the evolution? Yeah, a part of the answers to one of my questions, I can't remember if it was on, on the stage for the competition or in the interview room, but kind of where I see leather going. And part of it was, how do I put this? I, I know it was really articulate then, I, I, <laughs> but uh, try to think of how I said it. I can't remember exactly how I said it. But in essence, if we want to see leather continue forward, and not die out at some point, then we need to continue moving forward with the way our community is ever changing and ever evolving today. And if we are going to say that certain people aren't welcome because they're not quote unquote leather, it doesn't fit into that box of what leather has been in the past, what it or what you think it is now, then I'm sorry, but leather's going to get left behind. And I has meant so much to me in my life to, to have leather be a part of my life. I do not want to see it die anytime soon, at least not in my lifetime. And if it can go past my lifetime, even better. So, you know, I'm doing my part here just to say that, like, I see the future of our leather community through diversity and through inclusivity. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every single night, every single event has to be for everyone all the time. But everyone needs to be welcomed. And I think I've talked about it a little bit with other guests on the show where, you know, we said sort of like the meat and potatoes really should be the whole rainbow. It should be everybody, um, trans people, men, women, pups, however you identify, whatever you identify as, you're welcome there, mm -hmm. you know. And then we can have our quote unquote sacred spaces where you can have a special women's night where this is just for the ladies a special pup night where this is just a pup play event, a special men's gear night where it's just a men's gear night or whatever it may be. But those can be supplemental factors to the whole. That's the gravy, basically. But the meat and potatoes of it really should be everybody. And I don't know when this episode will come out, but I, I've interviewed several trans people to come on my podcast to really share their stories. And you have someone like Butch Romero, who is the first trans man to hold the title of Mr. Chicago Leather. And now you have more trans people than ever before running and winning leather titles. And just people from all walks of life who for, you know, their whole life identified 
as leather. And who are we to take that away from somebody, from a piece of who they are, just because somebody thinks that they may or may not fit in? It's not about fitting in. The thing about leather is that it's so it's so part of embedded into who we are as leather people that no one can take that away from you. I don't care what anybody says. And so that's where I think I see the leather community headed, is realizing that leather is beyond the it's beyond superficial. And that's what makes it so special. Yes. And and like I said, you you being authentically yourself is such a powerful thing. And I think and, and that goes for all of us. All of us who are in any position, not of power, but any position where where we have some type of audience is being authentically ourselves is so powerful and i keep remind and i and i keep reminding people like you know even and and when i say a, a place of power like even within your own household like i am the only gay man in my house right mm-hmm. so them seeing me be authentically myself shows them that any any idea of what they thought a gay man was mm-hmm. is not right does that make sense? Because me being myself shows them that gay comes in so many different colors and so many flavors. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. It comes with visibility. For the longest time, even when, when when you and I were kids growing up, the only visibility that we had of what a gay man was or what it, what gay looked like was like Will and Grace, for example. Yeah. You know, and there's so much, you know, there's masculine men, there's feminine men, there's people in between, there's people that go back and forth. And like I think what you're saying is it's just like showing people that we you can't put us in a box. Yeah. And that and that that for sure helps having you know people like you and that helps the the cause move forward. Um so what would be your if you if you were able to give a message to you know people that are that feel like maybe they don't fit in within the leather community or that don't or maybe are not running for a title because they feel like you know they're not 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 worthy not the i don't think the word is worthy but they're not they're just not right for running titles what would your message to them be i think my message comes down to that in your heart if you feel that you're leather then no matter what anybody says, nobody can take that away from you. And I can't say that I've always felt like that for myself. I had to go through a lot of growing to get to that place, at least for myself, to realize that nobody can take that away from you. And, um, you know, I'll share a little experience. You know, the first time I went out in my harness, I thought, God, like, I consider myself to be quite feminine in comparison to a lot of like the leather men that I see on the posters. And I thought, I'm going to be so sad (laughs) if I go into the bar and I'm teased or ridiculed in some way that I'm just like this skinny little femme twink wearing a harness. And I was just so afraid. I mustered up the courage to go in by myself and it was the best decision I've ever made because that's where I met some of my best friends. And now here I am today. And I'm not saying that you won't face challenges and you won't face, you know, some people, unfortunately, that might give you some kind of negative feedback. At the end of the day, who gives a fuck? 
it's not about them. Don't let anybody take away that part of you. And that has been a word from the king. Long live the king. <laughs> You're such a dork, Chris. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. I have a message from the king. <laughs> from the royal, From the royal palace of... Ooh, the royal palace of Bullet. A bullet. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it was such a great talk. Time flew, and we didn't even notice. <laughs> I know. I think it's 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 a little over an hour now. Yeah. We'll have to. <laughs> but... I think this is going to be for sure a two episode um one. Um, but thank you again so much. <laughs> thank you again, Chris, for having me on on your show, and um, hopefully you can come on another talk sometime too. Yeah, um, hopefully, um, and hopefully I could have you on. Obviously, you have so much knowledge, and we could talk about so many different things. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I for sure hope I could have you on again. Absolutely. Where can people find you if they, if they want to hear more of you? Yeah, if you want to um, find me on social media, you can find me at Leather Talk Mr. Bullet on Instagram and Leather Talk Mr. Bullet on Patreon. You can find my podcast on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher, all the podcast platforms just by typing in Leather Talk and you'll see my little logo. It'll be called Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. And, um, you know, I, on the Patreon, I actually post some bonus episodes. So the, the podcast itself that gets aired on the podcast platforms every Tuesday, those are reserved for personal stories. And then I, on the Patreon, this is a way that I monetize the, the podcast. If you give like three bucks a month or five bucks a month or whatever you want, you actually get a lot of access to some extra materials. So I just recorded, um, you know, an episode about diaper fetish, an episode about fisting, an episode about sounding. We're recording one later today about pissing. Um, so different topics within the fetish kink community. So, you know, go ahead and find me there if you can. Um, I try to respond to all of the messages that I get, you know, when I can. Um, and, you know, while we're still in quarantine, every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have a Zoom party where it's sort of like a release party for the next episode. You get to engage with the guest of the show that week, and we all get to hang out in our gear and leather. Now, all of my content is 18 years and older, so if you're younger than 18, I'm sorry. Um, but this is all kind of adult content, so I just want to make sure that I put that out there as a little disclaimer. And there's for sure a lot of adult things happening. Um, <laughs> yes. You you might catch me there. <laughs> and if you do, please don't look at me in the eyes because I'm going to not be proud of what I'm doing. Well, <laughs> your eyes probably won't be in the <laughs> shot. <laughs> I mean, there'll be shots. For sure, a lot of shots. <laughs> and not tequila shots for anybody trying to think that there's alcohol <laughs> shots. It's the other type of shot. Um, we really put the hard talks. <laughs> and it's more hard than talk. Right, more hard. <laughs> there's more hard than talk. But thank you so much again. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Well, thank you again so much for tuning into this rebroadcast with Chris Velasquez. I really hope that those who are new here, and even those who have been listening for a while, may have a better understanding of what Leather Talk is all about. And of course, don't forget to check out Chris's podcast, Hard Talks with Chris, on iTunes and Spotify. Now, our first official guest on Leather Talk for 2021 will be coming on the show next week on Tuesday the 12th. And if you want to make it to the Zoom release party that we're having later on that night at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter at Brandon Bullet LA, where I will be posting the Zoom code information for that event. It's a great time. You don't want to miss it. Come in your leather, come in your gear, and just be you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.